Welcome to Monkey Off My Backlog, the podcast where we exercise our pop culture demons by tackling our media to-do lists one week at a time. I'm your Moe-loving host, Andy, and with me today are my panels of peers and judges, Tessa Suela. Hello. Laws. Hi. And Elise. Hello. I have an exclamation mark after my name in my in your uh, intro paper, so I'm going to be very ex- exclamatory. <laughs> that, 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 that is that is important. I, I hope it came through the laws and then and and Elise. Uh, <laughs> Don't be so disappointed that I'm here too. Oh no no no! I, I'm I'm not. I'm just joking. <laughs> Today is a special theme: rom coms, but it's rom coms with an anti twist. That's right. We're doing anime rom coms. I picked a broad range of anime romance comedy hits and forced my panel to watch them. We'll be going in order from most realistic to silliest, from the most romantic to the most comedic. So we are going to start right off the bat with Hori Mia. <laughs> This was watched, a few episodes of this were watched by Laws and Elise. So, either of you want to try to describe what Hori Mia is all about? Basically, it the char- the main characters were um, Hori, Miyamura, Sato Hori, which is Hori's younger brother. It was a boy, right? I don't, not that it matters, but... And then her friend Tori... Toru, sorry. And basically, Miyamura and Hori they both have, like, their personalities that they portray in front of everybody else at school. And then when they're at home, they act really differently. Hori doesn't care if her hair's done up. Miyamura has tattoos. It's a very big, it's a very big thing. I will say that I had trouble with this, watching it kind of like as an adult. And I'm sure part of that is my age, but also their there are probably some cultural taboos that I was not clued into for this that I was like, I don't understand why they're hiding these things. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I'm sure some of that was age and some of that was just cultural. Um, I did find the characters to be really charming. And it was interesting how like Hori has so many because she basically has a single mom. So she's doing a lot of the housework. She's cooking for her brother. And it was cute how Miyamura helps her and is basically they're they're basically playing house together, which was really cute. But I did have a hard time with like how secretive they were about what their personalities are really like. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think that was so I yeah, I would agree with that that premise. I didn't think it was as much uncomfortable for age, more just a, like this is what dorky teenagers think they're worried about what they're just constantly worried about where everyone else is going to think of them how they're going to be judged and you know what that means in terms of their place in the society of high school and so on and so forth i thought it like feel like that's a theme throughout the anime that we watched it's gonna come certainly gonna come up again so i i I think i messaged you andy i said I'm emotionally invested in these absolute dorks, and I think that was my <laughs> my summary of uh, of this. It was very, 
slice of life, very sort of um, nothing, you know, nothing supernatural, nothing dramatic other than just the emotions of the situation. It was high school drama. It was, but obviously with a, with a, the cultural twist. You had um, the end credit sort of is a Simsy type look and feel to it. And I thought that was a very good link to how the whole show worked out. Like it was it was almost like people playing characters in Sims. And uh, but I mean, that sounds that sounds harsher than it was. I found it more charming than that. But uh, yeah. So uh, a, a few things just about this. Uh, Hori Mia is based on a based on a webcomic called Hori Santo Mia Murakun, which is uh it's what's called a four panel comic. So these are just little gags, you know, they're, they're just four panels, kind of like a daily strip type thing, like your Garfields or whatever. I mean, very questionable content in that case. Like, so that's, that then that was the one I would, I would compare it to. If you guys know that web comic, which has been running forever. Um, yeah, and is American, obviously. No, I thought you were saying this had questionable content in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and that's and that's one of one of the things about this is they put in a lot of um, like there there's there's a lot of little gags that come through because they're just a one page gag, right? Hmm. So so there there's lots of uh, things that are just kind of out there little gags that kind of don't feel like that they flow in these episodes, but kind of help build characters a little bit. But it's it's because there's just very, very jokey things like the the Toru and uh, and Miyamura being maybe in love with each other kind of gags are 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 one of the the instances of this. Uh, just the very idea that Miyamura is a is a quiet, gloomy guy with glasses who secretly has tattoos and piercings. So. I think I dated that guy. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think I am that guy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> one of the uh, one of the cultural things that maybe it was like, why is he hiding his piercings? Right. Like, what are you thinking that? Yeah that that is yeah. that is like a very cultural thing. Like you can get kicked out of school for that kind of thing. Right. I think I just had a little bit of a disconnect there, um, but I assumed it was just lack of knowledge, not like that. It, you know what I mean? Like I I just assumed I was missing something, not that it, like the show was bad or anything. And earlier when I said like it was a little uncomfortable as an adult watching it, I didn't mean from like, I just meant like, I don't care about those things. So so, like hiding who I am. So from that perspective, it was like, hopefully these kids will grow out of that. It's kind of what I was thinking more (laughs) than like it being like problematic or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I would say it took me until my mid to late thirties to uh, realize that, that hiding who I am isn't a perfect ideal. So I'll give them a break at mid to late yeah. teens. I mean, yeah. I'm I, I'm not saying I was like, oh, this is terrible. I just it just was a feeling I had. Well, and it makes sense too because I, I mean, I didn't watch this particular show, but it does make sense that like when you're a teenager, you're sort of trying on all these different personas to oh, try totally. to figure out. I mean, and it is negotiated with like, what do you think is cool? What do you think other people like? But it's also negotiated with, you don't know who you are yet. And so I feel like that is, like we said, like a running theme through some of these is this idea of like trying on different personas and different personalities just to kind of see like what fits you the best. And I, I mean, I remember doing that as a teenager for sure. The the twist that's revealed that the gloomy guy with glasses does not get good grades is one of the 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 more funny moments. There's the 
the the silly thing of um i think it's the second episode because these are so episodic there's like three segments in each episode like like a few of these um the realization that mia doesn't know his first name like the informal first name yeah that that is something that that's that's also very cultural uh I I will say I really like the color motif. Like 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 when the characters say something emotionally resonant, it goes to the blank background with uh, a color being their shadow. I didn't I didn't quite pick that up, but um, yeah, um, I mean I found the animation and the images charming. Like it wasn't it wasn't off putting. It wasn't fantastical. It was just it was yeah engaging. Obviously. It, is that style where you you get complete change of sort of character design depending on the emotional circumstances that are going on, but not in a particularly off-putting or cheesy way. If you look up like the cover of of this anime or the poster or whatever, you'll see that there's nine characters. As as you go on, more characters get introduced, and they each have their you know their 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 concerns, their very deeply held concerns. Um, and uh, character development gets gets in gets gets done. So, so as far as as a a romance, did you, did uh, you guys get the feeling that uh, there's romance bubbling here? Or totally, <laughs> it was cute. That like it was cute. In a, I completely agree with what what Elise was saying in terms of uh, sometimes you want to shake these kids and go, could you just talk to each other and be honest about your feelings? Mm-hmm. But. <laughs> I also kind yes. of get like that's you know isn't that kind of the core of a lot of romance though like two people who can't talk to each other. <laughs> I mean, and don't get me wrong, like I was the epitome of that. I'm still not even great like saying how I feel. I'm trying to get better, but like maybe it was a little too real for me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you that this is not one of these will they won't they kind of shows. By like episode four, they are. Yeah, I think dating. I might have seen episode five or something i think they got together by that point yeah so they weren't they weren't like dragging it out forever right 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 and that's uh and another one of these shows does 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 do the dragging out thing but uh yeah yeah just overall but i mean what what did you think you do positive about this uh i at uh-huh. least you you're probably a little too uncomfortable <laughs> coming back to this <laughs> uncomfortable is probably not the right word uh, but it was the only one I could think of um, I don't know that I'll continue it but I I'm glad that I checked it out yeah yeah I, I'm not I'm not a uh, I, I really don't expect any of you to continue any of these this is why I was like hey just watch like two episodes well I I mean I'll talk about it later but I plan on continuing the other two that I watched so. awesome awesome that that is that is good to hear hey I hope the next one I think, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I th- I would say I might pick it up again. I think your point about it being like a four-panel comic really resonates with me having read how many ever thousands <laughs> of questionable content are out there now, which started out with a cast of like two characters and their robot sidekick and now has like a uh, hundred characters and, and everyone is yeah. queer. Oh, the like, best kind <laughs> of comic. Yeah. Just, just all of them. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I read... I I read questionable content all throughout high school and some of college. You know, I'm sure if I opened it up now, I would barely recognize anything. But but it was it was always very fun. The the main character is basically not in his comic anymore. That's good. Uh, that, that's good. The, the main character is kind of one of the yeah. worst parts about it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So from 
going from we're gonna go to a l- little bit more of a of a different vibe of a rom-com i i think it's a different vibe at least my dress up darling <laughs> Laws, Tessa, do either of you want to try to describe what my dress up darling is all about? Lazzy, do you want to take a crack at it? I think you've seen more of it than I have. I think I've seen three episodes. So, oh, so about the same. Yeah, about the same. So the um, the concept is a uh, a guy who's uh, so these are like first year high school teenagers. So uh, there's a guy who uh, comes from a family of doll makers and and, and costumiers. And there's a, a girl who's into um, cosplay and she's very popular and he's very quiet and reserved and dorky. And uh, they sort of discover a common interest uh, in this and um, and they're also awkward and teenagers about it. And uh, so to mutual benefit, he gets to design more interesting com- uh, costumes. She gets to wear more interesting cosplay costumes they start to build a friendship around cosplay basically i think that's a a very quick summary of the three episodes i've seen and it's not just cosplay it's cosplay of an erotic romantic (laughs) game like she is Mm -hmm. maybe i didn't give this enough of a chance fully into this game (laughs) about uh, what is it called? Like Slippery Girls Two? Yeah, uh, and... the, the Humiliation Academy or something. Yeah, yeah, she's she's very into this one character who is like, I guess, the main character of this game, and that's that is specifically who she wants to cosplay as, at least in the first part of the first season. Yeah, it so so that that's like the big twist at the at the end of the first episode. When she finally gets him to uh, say like, oh, yes, I will uh, work on this cosplay with you or I will help you. And she's like, great, great. Uh, Yeah, this is uh, this is Slippery Girls 2, the the domination club of uh, Humiliation Academy or something like that. Like the depraved favorite part is when he's like, what? Like, and you get to hear his like internal monologue where he's like, maybe she's joking. Maybe like I'm being taken in and I just don't <laughs> know enough about this. All the while in the background, because we all know background humor is my favorite. She is describing what this game is about. <laughs> and it is some of the kinkiest stuff like that I have ever heard. It, it is very, very funny. That moment. I loved this. Like, I thought this was great. I'm officially going to give it another chance. Yeah, I feel like you should. I was not sure when I read the description of it because I was like, this dude makes dolls. Is this going to be a My Fair Lady, like Pygmalion situation? I am not interested in that. But it's not like it's absolutely not about that. And yeah, it, it doesn't even try to be anything like that. So Horimiya has a, a theme of human loneliness to it. Laws, you might have seen a few of the, the flashbacks that show like Miyamura being bullied as a child and shutting down. Yeah. And Gojo uh, has very much the same kind of flashbacks. He's this quiet guy. Yeah. The thing that he likes is very weird. He he's ashamed to like these traditional Japanese Hina dolls, which are beautiful works of art if you ever seen one in real life they are very expensive you know they have to be handcrafted 
each one's supposed to be unique from the other all these things but it's 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 a thing that's like oh this is this weird old thing and kids don't most people don't appreciate this they they don't appreciate the artistry well and from what i could tell from the show just like in the u.s costuming and dolls are very gendered so like mm-hmm. one of the first things that happens in the show is you see him as a child like loving this art form and this little girl is like that's for girls you're so weird i hate you like and it's very like humiliating for him and so he when we see him as a high schooler it's very empowering the moment where marin which i just want to side sidebar here marin is like one of the coolest people that i think i have ever seen (laughs) as a first year high school student i was not that cool but she when she tells him like what does gender matter if you really love something like it, it is like a really powerful moment you know and even though she's kind of insecure about her own her own likes she's more secure than he is i mean she basically tells a boy to f- off or f off sorry this is monkey she tells a boy to f off at one point for like making fun of like one of her her <laughs> little accessories and i you know like she's just a really cool person like she knows who she is and she seems very confident in that even though she does have these like moments of vulnerability but like honestly she was the draw of the oh. the show for me and there's just a lot about <laughs> fandom there's a lot about like sexual aw- awakening i've like really vibed with this um <laughs> i have to be really careful i feel like on here how i talk about teenage sexuality right because we know so that, that, all of the conversations is, yeah. about this but so i'm going to talk about it in terms of myself because i remember what it was like to be a teenager and to have all of these sexual feelings and to be weird about it but to also read a lot of erotica because that was like the outlet for it and to like identify with certain characters in erotica and like fandoms and stuff so like for me like hearing this teenage character be like yeah like I have sexuality and like I you know express it in these different ways like that was just really really cool like to actually see that depicted so agree with that and I think that um yeah she's fantastic and she's she also is honest and vulnerable in a, a very positive way right in a way that we all aspire to be and she is open with um with him as well and he is absolutely the opposite right completely closed off completely petrified (laughs) completely awkward awkward. but she's and she does try and lend him that confidence which is to say that you what you love you should you you know what you love and you should be comfortable and proud in that and that will bring you some measure of satisfaction and happiness and then at the same time he is he is absolutely fetishizing her and he's having a sexual awakening about her at the same time. My and he problem feels really with, awkward about it. He feels and... extremely awkward about it. And it's very clear in the way that the animation is done that when you see her through him, her design is very different to when they're both at school. That was the one area that I was like, okay, I get what they're doing. But fundamentally, these are 15 and 16 year olds and some of the choices around it, which is not exactly unique to this particular show or this particular part of anime, made me just go, that's still just a bit icky and I'm not totally comfortable with that. And I would compare it, I, I would 
I could see what they're doing, but fundamentally it's also you're still being somewhat exploitative in the way you do that and the way you portray that for a, a mass audience who are not 15, 16 year olds necessarily. There was one scene that made me really uncomfortable, not because of the scene itself, but because it kept going. And that was the scene where he's like taking her measurements for the costume. And it's supposed to be really awkward, which I mean, I understand, like we've all had those moments, especially when we were teenagers, where like you come into contact with someone you're attracted to in a way that is just like really awkward. You're like, what do I do with my hands? And like she's just like it's like not sexual for her at all like at least for the first part it's not like sexual for her at all but for him he's like oh my god oh my god like but the problem is is that it just keeps going like the joke just keeps happening and now you have to measure this and now you have to measure this and that felt really like the longer it went on the more it kind of reduced her to a series of measurements and like that i found problematic i wish that they would have just like had the joke and then ended the joke yeah but that was the only part that to me felt like it was leaning into what you're describing but yeah i could definitely see the way that she's designed it could turn into some things that aren't as comfortable it, yeah it, uh, it's, it's not far off right like it's 10 percent mm-hmm. off right. it's just that sometimes they work and, and again i've only seen three episodes so maybe it calms down after the second one maybe it's one of these things that try tries to pull people in but it, I, it was just i was just a little bit suddenly aware how old are these people supposed to be? Right, right, right. right. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're tenth graders, so first years in high school, tenth um, grade. So uh, you know, you know, it, there there is that, but at the same time, um, it's 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 one of these things. Like you know, um, yeah, when when I was in tenth grade, that that describes my my relationship pretty well with uh, with women and how awkward I was and the awkwardness i I don't have a problem with the awkwardness i think that is completely well portrayed and i think it's completely believable um uh, her cluelessness about it is a little bit less believable but but (laughs) but um i think that's fair Uh, my problem was really with the the character design during those scenes that were were heightened i think right right. she she's like sweating and and is glistening a little bit and it's very heaving bosoms um, in very short uh (laughs) short swimsuit i will say that i like the beginnings of this romance this does seem more of a slow burn because as as both lazi and i have mentioned she's She's very much not really thinking about him, I think, romantically. There are a couple of moments, like I said, at the end of that very long, drawn out measuring scene, there is a moment where she's like, oh, yeah, this is kind of awkward. And like, that is actually kind of funny. But for the most part, she seems very like, no, this is a really cool person that I just really want to hang out with. But he obviously is very attracted to her. So it it'll be interesting. I do plan on continuing to watch this and it'll be interesting to see if when and if that turns more towards a romance and not just like an unrequited okay i will um i i i will refrain from commenting on it so you can enjoy it but tessa you will very much enjoy where this goes i hope so i already really enjoyed it yeah especially if you like marine marine's was very cool the one thing I'd also compare it to that it brought to mind was, I don't know if you guys know the Sunstone series of um, graphic novels by uh, Stefan Sejic. So they are erotic graphic novels that are about BDSM, but they're also about that from a much more uh, grown up and adult perspective. And they have exactly the same themes of 
not trusting yourself, not being able to communicate, being worried about what the other people think, being worried about the thing you do being seen as weird in society and how you can occasionally just somehow discover a commonality with someone else in a way that you wouldn't expect to, but without the, and, and, and just as much erotic design in terms of the characters, but without the 15, 16 year olds being the problem. So that if people are in who people like BDSM or people like graphic novels in that space, I would recommend that. All right. Yeah. Any, any final comments? I liked it. I just have (laughs) one major issue with it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that, that's a very valid issue. It, it does, it does veer away from that, but also some of the future costumes she, she wears are a little bit more revealing. More revealing than her swimsuit in the measurement scene. Oh, no, no, not, 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 not more, not more revealing than that, (laughs) thankfully. Um, But, but yes, uh, her, her being a, just very into these pervy games. Uh, I, I don't I don't know if either of you saw the moment where his grandfather walks in while he's playing this game to like that. Yeah, that's really notes. funny. He's yeah, just like, that, no, was very funny. that was very funny. I also I will say too, I love the part where he because he plays the game to like see the costume that she's talking about. And I love when they go out afterwards and she's just like, I didn't actually expect you to play it. Like I thought you would like, I just gave it to you so you could see the cover or whatever. Like she was actually really impressed that he like took the time to like play the game and try to understand something that she loves, even though he's just like totally embarrassed by it. Right. That, and and that is like one of those things where we've all, we, at least I have had the relationships where I've tried to like tell people like, Hey, you need to watch this. You need to like, this is really important to me. And then they ignore it. And then you find somebody who does do that thing. Who who does watch it or appreciate it on the level you do? It's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've all experienced that for sure. So, so at least, are you going to give my dress up darling another chance? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's go on to something that I think will be a little bit more uh, contentious than these other two beautiful, amazing shows that that we watched with the Dorcases that uh, <laughs> that Laws loved. Um, Kaguya-sama, love is war. <laughs> Cue Tessa groaning here. <laughs> Tessa groaning. Do you want to talk about this first or do you want? Or I guess I haven't summarized it, so I can summarize okay. it. I only watched the first episode because I disliked it so much. But basically, it's like a senior high school of this like elite academy that's for rich and wealthy children, like children of rich and wealthy or powerful people. Or incredibly and, smart. Or just yeah. incredibly smart people. We 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 know what this academy is. We don't we don't have to go any further into it. But there it's basically about this emotional conflict between the student council president and the vice president who are both like very attracted to each other, like madly in love with each other, but they both believe that relationships are conflict and that you like admitting your feelings is weakness and that you have to like try to trick the other person into admitting their feelings and into like, you have to like trick the other person into into like showing that they care first and so it 
they're both like master manipulators, I guess. And so they're both like trying to manipulate the other person. And it's all about like these schemes that they have and like these like high school rituals that you go through, like eating lunch and like trying to like get the other person to like compliment your food or eat your food. Like it's like a whole thing. Uh, what did you think about it, Elise, <laughs> before so, I talk about what I thought? I mean, I so I loved this in the same vein that I love Gossip Girl. I liked how it was styled. Like, it did feel like spy versus spy to me, and I was really into that. I do think that a lot of teenagers think that you have to play games for relationships, So that felt really true to me, although this was obviously very stylized and very um, I almost could imagine this being like a D&D romance game where they're like, during my turn, I do the, um, you know, let this other girl try my food like that kind of thing. But the for me, the and I watched like three or four episodes of this, it felt very self-aware to me. So I think I was a little less groany at it because I felt like they were kind of making fun of that behavior. Yeah, I I should mention that there is a narrator and you do hear like the internal thoughts of both of these people. And so it is supposed to be funny. Like it is played for laughs, like this idea that it's over the top, like love is a battlefield and like, you know, like whoever blinks first is the one who loses. I, I, I do have a very critical question here. Did you both watch the sub or the dub? I watched the dub of this. Whatever was on Crunchyroll. <laughs> they're, well, they're, they're both I, on Crunchyroll. They had Did you watch? Yeah, yeah. What, I think what? I watched it with the sub. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Um, but yeah, it, it's just like so like over the top. I do. Okay. I will say I do like the idea and i granted i'm sorry i said one episode earlier i did make it through two episodes i like the idea conceptually about like a show that is very small in its scope in terms of just looking at like a relationship between two people and it's like the two episodes that i saw both took place in the same room like it was like a specific meeting room i don't know if that's something that continues throughout the whole show but yeah, then the like there's a yeah this the student council room and then there's another character who's like unwittingly like caught in as a pawn in this like chess match between the two of them yeah the and uh, the student council secretary secretary Chica. yeah this poor girl Chica, um, yeah. she's just like very clueless but she's caught in this machination i like that idea like to me that that seemed very interesting like having like a closed room show about like a couple of characters it reminded me of like the booth at the end which i don't know i've mentioned that on this podcast before but i don't know if anyone here has seen it but that's a show that's kind of it's a lot more supernatural than this show but it's a show about like that it literally takes place in one diner and it's about like these people that come to meet this one person who sits at in booth at the end. And so like that element of it, I really liked. And I do generally like when things are self-aware, the problem was, is that I didn't care about either of these characters. (laughs) And so like, if I don't care about these characters, then I don't really care about their machinations. Like, I don't know anything about these characters. And I assume that you get to know them throughout the show, but I don't, feel like I I feel like if you're gonna do this you have to make me care about them immediately like I have to have some kind of in into like 
why these people are the way they are why are they are so broken and like that they yeah. ha- feel like they have to interact with each other in this heightened way i felt because i also love gossip girl i felt like i cared about those characters a lot more quickly than i cared about these particular characters also my girl marin from my dress up darling would not stand for this crap she would just immediately be like what you don't like me fine bye and so like (laughs) i am gonna take a page from her book on that one no uh at least since you saw the third episode you saw like like the beginning of the actual uh the the very end of the third episode with the bike there's a a very good moment yeah Uh, but but yes yes uh that's that that is that is a thing it it grows the cast also grows which is is great the other characters who come in uh unwittingly or not are are uh some some of some of the the best beams of light uh, i i chica is one of my favorite characters of of all time uh, yeah she was really cute um there was a really funny nod to james bond at the end of episode 2 that I really like. I don't even remember what was actually happening in the episode, but they definitely had like the circle with like someone standing in it and like the swirly thing around it. And then there mm-hmm. was like a gun. So it was like, but I don't think there was really a gun and it was just like really cute. And then I don't remember if it was in episode three or four. There was this really funny, cause this was also like each episode had three or four, I would say acts almost. Mm-hmm. Or scenes, I don't really know enough about script writing to differentiate these, those things. These boil down to chapters <laughs> in the original manga. Okay, that makes sense. So, like, there was one chapter where um, Chica is talking about, like, someone's... Oh, they were talking about... Well, Chica and um, Miyuki were talking about someone's first time. And <laughs> Kaguya was... Like, oh, yeah, I had my first time. All right, my first time with my dog, my first time with my niece, like, or my cousin or something. And they're all looking at her. And, like, the one thing I really loved about the show also was, like, and I think, Andy, you said it earlier, like, you get that everyone's, or I don't remember if Andy or Tessa said it, but you get people's, like, inner monologues a lot, which was really fun. And so um, the two other characters are like, what kind of family is this girl from? Like, what are they doing over there? (laughs) And then by the end of the chapter, they find out that she thinks that they're talking about kissing (laughs) and they're talking about sex. And it just like was so cute how like innocent she was, even though she so like that's kind of where it it differentiated for me. Like, okay, this girl is not Blair Waldorf. (laughs) Like she is a little bit more innocent. Right. The the narrator breaks in to be like, she has never received any form of sex education because yeah. her family is basically the Waltons. Yeah. Like like she has never received anything. So she does not understand and like Chico whispering whatever it is she whispers. Yeah, her- she was basically like and then and then there's a really fun break scene where they say minutes go by and then he she's still explaining to her what, what first time means. So like I found this to be just really funny. Yeah, if you don't care about the characters, I completely get not being into it yeah the uh the character development does go somewhere somewhere very interesting find you know you find out little things about miyuki and how he's ultra poor and uh all that um yeah i think i mean 
mean, if you are invested in in this type of of genre and like the humor of it, I could see like where you would spend time like getting to know the characters. Mm -hmm. But for me, like if you're really picky about like, well, I have to be hooked immediately like I am. Right. Just like, okay, this is this is almost too farcical for me. Like it's 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 like down on that that level of this is all humor and I don't care about these people. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. and I'm probably going to continue watching this. Yeah, so you're going to keep doing really funny. Fascinating. And Tessa. I thought this was the funniest of all the shows, actually. Really? That okay. Mm -hmm. That 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 is it 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 is the funniest to uh, me and my wife as well. The next show though is so bizarre and silly. Oh yeah. That it just has to be um yeah. The next show was my favorite of the shows. Oh good, good. I'm 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 glad. I'm glad. Did we Uh, all watch this show? Yes. Yes, this is is so great that I get to like just introduce this because this is Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Which, by the way, I was dragged kicking and screaming into watching this this show. Just like most of these other shows, I had to be like convinced by some people I really respect their their taste in to uh, to watch it and get this. But Kobayashi's Dragon Maid is just a horrible title for this. Well, I feel like you had to be dragged kicking and screaming, and then all you had to do to the three of us would say, this is very queer. And we all immediately were like, we're going to watch that one. I, think yeah, I watched about. this one first. This yeah, I just looked. I looked at the title of it and went, "Well, I'm obviously going to watch that one. I don't know what it's about." <laughs> well, not only that, I couldn't stop thinking about the Kobayashi Maru in Star Trek. Exactly. <laughs> Star Trek exactly. You so basically watch the gave one a that show says Kobayashi in the title. Three Star Trek fans with Kobayashi in the title. We were all going to watch it. And yes. I, I will. I will also say to you, Laz, uh, Horimiya does start to get more queer with the uh, extraneous cast. Um, right. Okay. But. But and but yes, Kobayashi is um well. Let's talk about Kobayashi. Kobayashi is a uh, office worker. She's a programmer. You know, she's kind of a honestly, she's a bit miserable in her life. She's she's in this rut, and she opens her door one day, and there's a large green dragon outside. The green dragon then turns into a human woman who is wearing a you know French made outfit. And is like, hey, you told me to come by. You told me to come by your house. So I did. And confusion ensues from there because uh, Toru, uh, who Kobe, that's Kobayashi's first, that's Kobayashi's dragon. Toru was alone in the woods one day as a dragon. And uh, Kobayashi was really, really drunk and it just. Decided to invite her over to her house, and that is how it starts. So, uh, firstly, this is the most credible uh, presentation of a computer programmer as an adult that I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, she, like, all the office, so I, yeah, full disclosure, I used to be a Java developer, and genuinely, like, actually pretty credible. It's really boring, there's lots of testing, <laughs> and then you go and get drunk. It's, that's what being a developer And then you scream is. at each other, is that, is that part of it, too? I feel like every yeah, time sometimes. they got drunk, they would just, like, start screaming things at each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
I I really liked. Uh, I found this show to just be adorable. Yeah. Um, I liked the whole fish out of water vibes that I got from Toru and then Kana when she joined. Um, I love Kana's watching so them. Like, I know Kana is really cute. So Kana is Toru's friend that had been like banished or something from the dragon world and like had to come live with them and also wants to destroy all humans basically. Um. And she's just really tiny, and I love her. And I just was excited that she was like, I want to go to school. But I I just, this show is very queer in that Toru is clearly in love with Miss Kobayashi. Um, there are really sweet scenes where they're bathing each other that I really loved. And it was really cute that, like, when Tor- it was Toru's tr- turn to get um washed she was in her dragon form on the roof deck and that just like was so cute and she was just like basically the epitome of me when i'm getting a massage like (laughs) you know very like relaxed and and happy this show i did find the show to be a little bit self-indulgent but i didn't mind and i was kind of in the mood for that so it just felt like whatever these whatever the the writers let the characters basically do whatever they wanted, which I, it it worked. It worked for the tone. <laughs> uh, how how much did everybody watch? I watched four episodes of this. Yeah, I think. I yeah, watched I watched four. I watched five. Okay, okay. Uh, just 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 checking. I I I love I love that this is the one the one that I was like most like. Uh, can I get away with it with trying to get people to watch this? Will they even give it a try? It's such a bizarre premise. But uh, it it's also such an like anime premise. Similar to, to what you were saying about some of the other ones, there are also like just random sight gags, like mm-hmm. almost like two panel gags, right? That um that happen in it. Um right, right. it the, also the has burglars. Yeah. <laughs> On the first day. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> it also has the best theme song. It's the it's the <laughs> most the most ridiculous, cheesy, funny, poppy theme song. It's absolutely great one. I really liked this as well. So I was gonna say one of the reasons I don't watch a lot of anime romance is because I don't generally like things that are like twee and wholesome all the time. Like despite what a lot of people think about me, I have like a core of anger inside of me and I really get pissed off sometimes when things try to be a little bit too cutesy. I do appreciate it. I understand that people like it and that's great, but it's just not really for me. I think what saves this for me, because it can be a little bit, like you said, Elise, a little bit too self-indulgent with that sometimes, is that there are these like darker like undercurrents to it. Like you do have, for an example, the the fact that Kobayashi is probably an alcoholic and, you know, is is dealing with that. And although it is I I did find it very funny that she like drunkenly saved Toru and that's like <laughs> that's why she like owes her the life debt. I found that to be funny, but for the most part her drinking is treated like it is like a problem and you know the fact that Toru doesn't like the fact that she drinks I think is very interesting. But then there's also like these darker moments in the dragon world as well, right? Like there's these like you know flashes of like dreaming that in- contain incredible violence you know there are these you know moments where these dragons are thinking about like the end of the world which feels 
hashtag relatable right now. And, you know, like other things that kind of balance out some of the more like cutesy moments in this as well. Although like those moments do exist and they are pretty fun. I like that this when you told me this was queer I went into it thinking like oh this is gonna be like subtext queerness right like it's gonna be like Star Trek you know the original series where it's like these are two female characters and I'm gonna have to read into it no like Toru says that she is in love with with Kobayashi and is like sleeps in the same bed with her and is like you know but it's not creepy it's not like her trying to like push something on uh you know kobayashi that she doesn't want you know she's she's just very like admires her and is in love with her and wants to be with her and i think that that all works really really well the other and there's no gay panic with it either no like, she no, says not it at all. and and it's completely accepted like yes of course yeah. You yeah yeah i mean kobayashi at this point in the anime doesn't reciprocate it but yeah. it's not but she doesn't feel weird about it either like she's not like yeah. oh my my friend confessed her feelings to me i must like yeah. disown her forever yeah there's nothing yeah, she like pretty that. much just says like i like dudes or something like i don't remember yeah. exactly but she just you know yeah although uh kana calling her a hussy in the episode and then trying to like uh, that was all really really great although my favorite uh, so this is a chosen family narrative right like Absolutely. which is yeah. which is which is the other reason i like it i love chosen family narratives they're one of my favorites so like the fact that toru and kana are sort of becoming this family of kobayashi who seems like a very lonely person um all of that i think again that that balances out the the cutesiness of it very well for me my favorite joke though my favorite visual gag is with one of the dragon the other dragons fafnir who is playing he gets introduced to i'm playing elden ring right now and he gets introduced to what seems like a very dark souls like game by uh one of kobayashi's friends and becomes obsessed with it starts like playing it constantly and then like but can't resist like going for the treasure even though he's told (laughs) repeatedly that going for the treasure is a trap but he's a dragon so it makes sense like that all was very fun funny to me like i i love it when something funny happens in the background i've said this before and like him just being in their apartment playing that game was one of the funniest things i'd seen in a long time fafnir the first time we're introduced to him is one of the the funniest moments is toru's like oh what what do i how do i deal with humans i know i'll call fafnir and (laughs) just calls him and it's just like kill them all destroy them all wreck their (laughs) world and she just hangs up like that's good advice or the moment when Kana comes home and he, like comes home and is like, well, I committed to a duel and like he's pl- just obsessed with this game and playing it. And he just like turns around. And he's like, what happened? I'll kill them. Like it is like a very, very funny, protective moment. Uh, gotta love those loyal dragons. <laughs> I, I I think, uh, you know, not not to, to ruin anything, but Fafnir's uh, go- goes into a very different type of romantic relationship later you you might have seen the the hints of it but Fafnir is 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 wonderful and and gives gives the show a nice little darkness to it too <laughs> and you need that you really need that in this kind of show I think that yeah. if it didn't have that darkness I wouldn't like it quite so much I will say out of all of these series Kobayashi's Dragon Maid one it's 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 made by one of the like known like bigger anime studios Kyoto Animation kind of a big deal but it definitely has some of the highest budget and action sequences later in the show 
Interesting. Because there are there are there are some actual fights. There are some actual you know magic uh, things going on. It's it's a lot of fun. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about the magic in this show, but I don't know. I haven't quite figured out exactly what she's doing, but it looked very much like Doctor Strange to me. Like the <laughs> like yeah, like the little the little patterns and the way she would like turn it like and she like even does the thing where she like vaporizes all the furniture in the first episode <laughs> and then she like turns back time and so yeah, there was that like really fun. If you like that Marvel element, that was pretty fun. I was also really when they got the apartment and um Kobayashi told Kana and Toru that they like had their own living like their space like I feel like I almost expected them to be like I don't want to share but like at this but like I was so happy it didn't go in that direction the two of them were just so happy to have a space of their own and have like a place to live and it was so sweet. I definitely like the Tui a little bit more than Tessa does. <laughs> but like it was just like warmed my heart. I loved it. I, I also really, really love the running gag of Toru trying to get Kobayashi to eat her tail. Yes. yes. That was really she kept funny. Cooking it in different ways. And, like, and then I'm like they vegetarian. had people over. But then they had people over and Kobayashi's like, beware of her tail or something. <laughs> this is really funny. <laughs> Uh, it, I, I I had to cook it for so long to get the poison out of it. It's poisonous. Yeah. Or the I could chop it up really small and you won't notice it. Uh, God, uh, that that sounds so grotesque to people who are just listening. Her her tail, yeah, she it, she, it grows back, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. I also this is gonna sound very very strange considering our conversation from earlier, but I also like how Kobayashi just doesn't believe her when she's like. I have a size D for dragon. She is definitely not a oh size God. D. I'm just gonna like throw that, that out. That was there. my favorite line. <laughs> I definitely tweeted out the other day when I was watching that episode. Oh, I'm a size D for dragon. Like that was so funny <laughs> to me. They just like and that's why I was really happy that this show is about adults because they zoom mm. in on Tora's boobs a lot. And mm. I very much appreciated it. But it didn't feel like as fetishized, though. No, like, it was it just definitely felt like she was silly. a person who just has large boobs. And there are people yeah. who have large boobs. Like, yeah, it was now, cute. Did you guys meet really Lakoa or uh, Quetzalcoatl? Yes. Yes. She okay. was in one of the, like, she comes to the party. Right? I saw yeah. the party. Yeah. yeah. She, 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 she's, like, definitely the skimpiest. Oh, is she the one that was wearing the little shorts? Yeah. The, yes. The oh, yeah. She was hot. But it, it just kind of comes across, again, not as fet. I mean, it, it could be fetishizing, but, like, the way it comes across is just, like, yeah, this is her personal style, and that's cool. Yeah. No. And Kobayashi, like, kind of said something, like, a little slut-shamey to her about it, too. Yeah. It bothered <laughs> me, but also, I was like, yeah, that outfit rules. Wear it. But it's also, to the Tessa's earlier point, it's not, like, a seven-minute scene where it just keeps Yeah, no, it was, like, right. a quick thing. I mean, they do like pan down until you see her outfit, but like it wasn't, it didn't yeah. feel like gross or anything to me. Her, her gag and like why, uh, Lukoa or Quetzalcoatl, whatever you want to call her, um, what, like is in this human world and what she's doing is some of the, the funnier things because she's torturing a small child, kind of. <laughs> Sometimes small children didn't need torturing. I'm just. <laughs> Right, right, right. That's the soundbite from this podcast. We're gonna just chop that <laughs> yeah. out and 
small yeah, children I, need torture. I can't. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't. I, I'm just not sure where it was introduced, but it's a a child about Kana's age, and he tried summoning a demon because he's from a family of sorcerers, and she's like, "Oh, this kid's summoning a demon. Uh, that's really dangerous. I'm just going to go and pretend to be the demon he summoned." <laughs> and, that's kind of cute though. Oh, I like oh that. it's it's really adorable. He's like try, he's like trying to control her like a familiar, but it, it's not working. It's it's very cute. <laughs> this this the show is really, really good. And like I said, it, it has some beautiful animation, especially in the second season or the sequel series. Je- Japan animation is really weird about, hey, we're having a second season, but we're also just gonna call it a sequel. I kind of got that because when I was like um Googling them, it was very much like they did the one season and then the next season and they call it like a completely right. Right. Series. It's called like so Miss Kobayashi's got... Dragon Maid S and it's just like, that's... yeah, right. Oh, that's you can just call it season two. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, so all of you felt positively about this though. Oh yes. yeah. This was a yeah, uh, little ray of sunshine. Yeah. I'm glad that we did this because I would not have watched these otherwise. I think. Hey, everyone, uh, every, everyone liked this one. I, I, I like that. I highly recommend more of my dress up darling. Just so cute towards first of all, episode five. Um, the, the the relationship will alter to a way I don't think any of you are predicting, so that's fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Twist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh all right. Uh anything else? Oh, I think we covered most everything. I, yeah. I, this I was truly, good. It was good. I fun. truly Thank appreciate you, you yeah. all doing this. <laughs> I'm glad we planned it so early because so many things happened since we planned it like i got i got covid and i was like every week i was like i don't remember what i'm supposed to watch and then lazi would be like telling me and i'm like every week again i don't remember <laughs> I, finally, <laughs> I finally scrolled back and like i'm usually not that ill prepared but i i got it i got it handled <laughs> okay well uh where can people find you where let's talk about our pluggables let's let's talk about how to stalk each other online and and so so you can let you know um uh creepy anime weebs uh who love who love this stuff stalk you and give their opinions about these shows and <laughs> and why Marin is the best girl. Well, please send all of your opinions to at Andy Noted if they are creepy or angry or mad at us in any way. <laughs> Yeah, the rest of us don't don't need to know about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, don't worry. I'll I'll, I'll make I'll make sure that that it, that it's passed on to proper channels. <laughs> if you want to send me um pictures of cool ear jewelry like Marin has, um, I'm mean Englishman on Twitter. Yes, a hundred percent. Or her like cool ombre, like any cool ombres like that. I will happily look at pictures of. She's got a bit of a Gwenpool vibe, actually. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Ooh, she could cosplay as Gwenpool. When's yeah. that episode? <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Elise underscore Tendi, E-L-Y-S-E underscore T-E-N-D-I. You can also find me on my Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast with our friend Matt. Um, it's called Pod Wraiths, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod Wraiths, P-O-D-W-R-A-I-T-H-S. 
You can find me on Twitter at Suela Tessa, Suela is spelled S-W-E-H-L-A. And you can find me on my other podcast, Nanny Ogg's Book Club, where my friend Nigel and I are reading through all 41 of Terry Pratchett's Discworld novels. You can find us on Twitter at Nanny's Book Club and on Instagram at Nanny Ogg's Book Club. You can find me on Twitter at Andy Noted. You can find us on Twitter at Monkey Backlog. You can email us at monkeyoffmybacklog at gmail.com. You can also please, please, please rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes, tw- uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, wherever you get fine products like this podcast. Go and get that monkey off your backlog. <laughs> Shoot, 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 shoot